Great to see you in the house today. Hey, get your Bible out and uh, let's open it up to the Gospel of John uh, chapter 15. That's where we're going to be today, John uh, chapter 15. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, uh, Bob Buford was a successful man. Uh, he inherited a small telecommunications business that his parents started in East Texas, and he was able to nurture it and grow it into a multi-million dollar enterprise. Uh, he, was, he was very successful. I mean, he made more money than most. He uh, was more successful than most. And, uh, and, and yet, when he was in around his midlife, he had a midlife crisis. And he started asking the question, is this all there is to life? Is there more to life than just being successful in this world? And really through that whole experience, he wrote a book called Halftime, where he really came to the conclusion that true greatness really was not you know, achieving temporary success, but really about eternal impact. That true greatness is really if you do things that shape eternity, right? Now, rewind history about 3,000 years, and there was another leader. His name was Solomon. He was a king, one of the greatest kings of Israel, and again, incredibly successful, incredibly wealthy, had pretty much everything you'd ever dream of, experienced everything you'd ever dream of. I mean, he had it all, and yet, at some point in his life, he had a crisis where he's asking, is this all there is to life? And he wrote a book too. In fact, his book is actually in your Bible. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. And in this book, he finally comes to a conclusion about what life is, is all about. In fact, this is what it says on here. Let's put it up on the screen. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now, here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. He said, really, at the end of the day, it's not what you do in this life, but that you do what matters in the next life, that real greatness is measured by your eternal impact. Now, standing between Bob and standing between Solomon on the line of history is Jesus. And here is Jesus with his disciples. On the night before, he is to be arrested and crucified, and, and we've already been talking in this series that the, what was on their mind was greatness. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the best? Who's going to be uh, on the topper, upper echelon uh, of leadership? And, and Jesus presses into them this same conclusion, that true greatness is not measured in temporary success. The true greatness is measured by your eternal impact. Now, why is that? Because whatever you do in this life <laughs> is going to either be enjoyed by somebody else or they're just going to forget you, all right? If you build something, it's going to come down eventually. If you uh, make a name for yourself, you're at some point going to be forgotten. If you make a lot of money, somebody else is going to spend it, right? That's just the whole message of Ecclesiastes. And by the way, if that's depressing, welcome to First Colleyville. I love you. I'm just telling you the truth, all right? And so, so it, all the stuff that we're working so hard for, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be forgotten. And so real greatness is about what you do that matters for eternity, right? That's, that's what true greatness is. True greatness is measured in your eternal impact. 
And so if that's true, Jesus is communicating this to his guys and he, he leans into them with this illustration that is etched in their mind that they can never, ever forget. And that's what we're going to study here in John 15, all right? John 15, beginning at verse 1. So let's just dive into God's word, all right? This is the word of God. By the way, I, I usually say this word of God and I encourage you to say amen just because that's like, that's right, all right? That's what amen means. That's right. All right, I guess we could say that's right, but I don't know. That might be a little weird. So, so anytime I say this is the word of God, you just say a good old amen. That just means that's right. Come on, preacher, bring it. All right, so this is the word of God. All right, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Now run your finger down to verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now on this night when he's talking about true greatness as measured by your eternal impact, he, he tries to get this into their head by a metaphor or a word picture. Jesus was the master teacher and he always used these tremendous stories and metaphors and things that were common in their day that he could bring out and, and attach to it some spiritual meaning. And so most likely at this point in the upper room, they have left the upper room. At the end of chapter 14, he said, let's go. So most likely they have left the upper room. They've gone down across the Kindred Valley, up on the other side of the Mount of Olives. They're moving toward the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will pray and there be arrested. And it's very possible that they've, they could have walked through a vineyard where Jesus would stop and under the, the moonlight hold a cluster of grapes and give them this illustration about fruitfulness. Now, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to give you three observations, just kind of general observations about this passage so we understand it better. And then I want to come back and give you three just practical ways you can apply this to your life, okay? So observations, then three application points. All right, you with me? All right, here we go. Somebody say, bring it. All right, here we go. All right, observation number one. Here it is, write this down. Observation number one. Jesus is the true vine. Is how he starts off, verse 1, I am the true vine. Now, what does that mean? Well, in order to really understand the meaning of this, you've got to understand some backstory. Because all throughout the Old Testament, Israel has been portrayed as a vine. In fact, I want you to write in the margin of your Bible next to John 15, verse 1, write Psalm 80. Psalm 80. Because in Psalm 80, this, it, it's really portrayed beautifully there. Psalm 80, it says that Israel was like a vine that was taken out of Egypt and planted in the promised land. And it grew and it flourished and it sprawled out. And, and it, it, it did, it, it, it expanded, right, and grew. But the problem was it didn't produce any fruit. It didn't produce the fruit of glory to God among the nations. And so eventually God came against that that vine and God judged that vine and he allowed the enemies 
uh, of Israel to trample on them. And so they're under the judgment of God because they never produced the fruit intended for them to produce. But in Psalm 80, verse 17, it says, but there is one that is coming and he's called the son of man. And when the son of man comes, he will produce what the vine was to produce. I think this is what was on Jesus' mind. When he walked across the Kindred Valley, as he saw uh, Jerusalem behind him, I believe that he thought, those, uh, Psalm 80, when he said, I am the true vine. I am the son of man of Psalm 80. I'm the one that came, and only through me can you produce lasting fruit. Now you say, well, why, why is that important for us? It's important because of this. Listen, you can never have an eternal impact separated from Jesus. That Jesus is the vine. And just like a branch cannot produce any fruit unless it stays on the vine, neither can you produce any eternal significance with your life apart from Jesus. Because Jesus, coming through Jesus is life and forgiveness and peace and righteousness and all the things that God wants to pour in your life. All that's going to come through the conduit through Jesus, right? He's the vine, And so if you want to ever have eternal impact in your life, you have to stay connected to Jesus. What that means is you have to have received Christ by faith to become a part of God's family. And almost every weekend, I give you an opportunity to that, and I will again at the end of this message because it is so important that you are in Christ, that you're attached to Christ. He he said, I am the true vine. That's observation number one. Observation number two is that God wants you to bear fruit, all right? There's a lot of fruit talk in this passage. It's, it's a pretty fruity, fruity passage, all right? Uh, there, he talks about no fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit. There's a lot of fruit. Six different times he talks about fruit. What, what is this fruit that he's talking about? That's a really a good Bible question. What is the fruit? Because Jesus doesn't define what the fruit is in this passage, In fact, I did a little nerding out this week, and I really dug into it. And if you want to know all my nerdy uh, information, you can go on the app and go on the sermon notes, and you can look at all the verses I outlined for you, what the fruitfulness means. But uh, let me just try to summarize all that and try to make it simple. What is this fruit? Well, I want you to think about fruitfulness. Okay, I'll put some fruit up here. And let's say that uh, I take uh, this apple, all right? And I, uh, I take it and I just go ahead and I cut it, all right? So I cut this apple up. Now, this apple uh, has two benefits. One benefit is I can eat it, right? And I can in- take it in and it's going gonna, it's gonna to satisfy me. It's going to taste good. It's going to provide energy. It's going to do some good things in me. But this, uh, this apple also has some external benefit because there's a thing in there called a what? It's got some seeds in there, right? And if I take the seeds and I plant those seeds, then it has the potential to grow into other apple trees that can produce, you know, hundreds, even thousands uh, of apples, right? And then them seeds that can produce. And bound up in every piece of fruit is the, is the potential for multiplication, right? So in the same way that a piece of fruit has both internal benefit and external benefit, fruit in God's economy, spiritual fruit, has both internal and external benefit. Sometimes when the Bible talks about fruit, your life bearing fruit, it's talking about the things in you, the fruit of change in your life, 
the, the character change that happens in your life. For example, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's all stuff within you, right? That's the change that Jesus produces in you. When you're saved and you're, you're changed and you're constantly being made in the image of Christ, that's going to be some fruit that's born out in your life of, of a character change transformation that's in your life, right? That's in you. That's change in you. But your life also has the potential to benefit others. And as you help other people come to know Jesus, and as you help other people come to follow Jesus in a deeper and richer way, then you are also producing fruit. In fact, Jesus uh, gave lots of parables about fruitfulness. Uh, one of those parables is found in Luke where uh, he talks about a sower. And a sower goes out and he sows seed. And some fall on the hard ground. And some fall on the shallow ground. Some fall on, among the weeds. And some fall, uh, fall in like good soil. And, 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 and they produce, you know, the good soil produces 30, 60, 100 fold. A, a huge harvest. And then later when Jesus is describing that parable, he says, I'm really talking about four different kinds of people. There's some that have a hard heart and they don't receive the gospel. There's some that receive it quickly, but they never put down any root. And so they fall away when hardship comes. There's some that are just so, their life is so congested with weeds that they never really produce any good fruit. But he said, there's some, well, let me just quote it to you, Luke 8, 15. He said, these are the ones who having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit. What does that mean? Well, this 30, 60, 100 fold is not what's in you. It's what is outside of you. It's, it's the fruit that you, you bore in the lives of other people. When you invest in someone, then invest in someone, then invest in someone, that's spiritual fruit. You know, I, I think most people underestimate the fruitfulness and the eternal impact their one life can have. I really believe that. I think most people go, well, my life is going to make a big difference. You know, I'm not really doing anything significant. They think the only people that make a difference for the kingdom of somebody that stands on a platform and preaches to crowds, those are the people that are really going to have fruit. No, wrong, right? In fact, I think we're going to be really shocked when we stand before God of who was really fruitful. I think the most fruitful people are going to be people you never heard of, really. Because they were just slowly investing in one, investing in another, and they were investing, and they were investing in somebody else, and they invested their life in people that multiplied. That is how you make an eternal impact. That's how you make it. And so Jesus is saying, guys, the whole deal, I've been pouring into you, man. I've been pouring into you for three and a half years so that now's the time for you to be fruitful. Now's the time for you to multiply. And, and listen, you've got to stay connected to me. I'm the vine, all right? So I'm, my life's going to flow through you, but God expects you to produce fruit, internal transformation fruit, and also external uh, fruit that is born out by helping you multiply your life in the lives of others. And then let me give to observation number three, all right? Observation number three is the proof is in the fruit. The proof is in the fruit. The proof of what? The proof that you're really a disciple of Jesus. The proof that you really are in God's family. The proof is in the fruit. Look at verse eight. He said, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciple. The way you prove that you're legit. The way that you prove that your faith in Jesus is real is in the fruit. You know, I've got uh, two apples here in my hand. 
one of them is real, and one of them is fake, right? So let's see. How many of you think this one is fake? Raise your hand. All right, go ahead and be bold. It's all right. All right. How many of you think this one is fake? Raise your hand. Oh, all right. There you go. All right, so which one is the fake one? Let's see here. All right, this is the fake one, all right? Uh, in the first service, people like cheered. I was like, there's no prize, okay, people? <laughs> there's no prize for winning. Okay? It's not that big a competition, all right? That's right. This is fake. Now, now, look, you can look at both of these and you can shine them up and they actually look pretty, pretty darn close, right? But one's a real deal and one's not. And here's the deal. You, you can put two people and they both talk about Jesus, they both go to church on Sunday. They both look very similar, but one's the real deal because there's fruit born in that person's life. And there's another one that looks good on the outside, but really is not a true follower of Jesus because there's no life change in them and they never invest in anybody. In fact, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 7. When he said, you want to know the truth from the fake? You will know them by their, what? Fruit. In fact, in Jude, it says those who are fake, they produce no fruit. So the real proof that you're walking with God, the real proof that you're born again is not how much Bible, how many Bible facts you know. It doesn't, it's not how many hours you've logged in at church. It's does your life produce fruit? So that's a really good question for you today. And I really want you to stop and think about this for a minute, all right? Is your life right now producing eternal fruit? Is it producing an eternal impact? Are you? Is there life change and people can tell this is what I was like before Jesus and this is what I'm like after Jesus? Or, or is there a sense uh, that you're investing your life and you're spiritually concerned about people? And I'm not talking about just being nice to people at work or being a good example for them to follow. I'm talking about literally having spiritual conversations or literally investing in someone's life to help them grow spiritually. Are you doing that? Or are you just living for the moment? Living for the temporal? So Jesus is is really laying out, guys, you've got to give yourself to eternal things, not to temporary things. So that begs the question, well, then how do we produce fruit in our life? How can we live a more fruitful life? And this is where I get to the application part. And I really want to point out three things here that I think are really important for you to bear spiritual fruit. These are great reminders for me, uh, and they're good reminders for you. So write these down. First one is this, you have to remain in Jesus. If you want to bear fruit, you've got to remain in Jesus. Look at verse four. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Three different times in this one verse, he says remain, remain, remain. Or some versions say abide, abide, abide. That word literally means to stay close to something. It's, it means to maintain unbroken fellowship. Listen to me. There is no way that, that the Spirit of God's going to produce change in your life. There's no way you're going to have some character fruit being born out in your life. There's no way that God's going to work through you to really benefit other people and help them grow and know and follow Jesus. There's no way that's going to happen unless you're staying connected, maintaining your fellowship with Jesus. 
And what that looks like is that you're spending every day time in God's word. You're spending time in prayer. You're spending time pouring out your heart to Jesus. You're spending time seeking his face and yielding your heart to him. That's what that fellowship with him looks like. And listen, when you allow the busyness of your, uh, of your life, the pace of your life to edge out uh, your time with Jesus, what happens is you begin to wither on the inside, just like a vine that's cut off from a branch that's cut off from the vine. You're, you're just going to start to wither on the inside. And, and, and to be honest, some of you are withering right now, and you know it. They're going through a, a dry season. You're going through a withering season. You're not really as fired up about Jesus like you used to be. It's because you're not abiding in him. You're not keeping an unbroken fellowship with him. We need him. You need him. You know, I was reminded of this uh, this summer. I, I got a chance to go back to Oklahoma and uh, speak at a men's conference there. And I wasn't really sure where this thing was being held. I know it was in Oklahoma, but I, I, I figured those details out on the day of, okay? And so like uh, on the day of, I'm like, okay, where am I going again? And, and they sent me the address. I was like, oh, I know this retreat center. See, back when I was a pastor in Oklahoma, a young pastor, I used to go to this, re this retreat center when I was discouraged, okay? When I, had, when I was down, when I was discouraged, when I was thinking, God, surely there's something else I could do to make a living besides being a pastor. Yes, pastor have those days, I, I, I would go to this retreat center by myself. I'd just throw, throw a, you know, a change of clothes and a, 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 you know, a, a sleeping bag, and, and off I'd go. And, and I would go to this little cabin that was at this retreat center called the Lakeview Cabin, and I can remember many times going in there very down, very discouraged, and God would meet me there, and I would cry out to him, and I'd open up his word, and God would speak to me and refresh me and renew me and clean me up and slap me on the rear and get me going again, you know, and, and, and I would come back renewed. That happened many times. So I was like, wow, it's cool. I'm going to get to go back to the same retreat center. So when I pull up and I greet everybody, they're giving everybody their kind of assign, room assignments where they're going to spend the night. And guess where they had me? In that same cabin. So I mean, I, I walk in the door and of course the cabin, it's been 20 years since I've been in there. And, uh, uh, they got a new fresh coat of paint and some new carpet. And believe me, it needed it, okay? It needed it bad. And I plopped down in the chair and I just remembered 20 years ago how I would come to this place. And God would meet me there. And now I think about where God's led me since then. And I can remember saying, Lord, I still need you. I really do. Just like I did then, I still need you now. Listen, the truth of the matter is, you need him too. Don't let your heart wither because you're not maintaining the fellowship with Jesus that you need. He said, you want to you bear fruit? You've got to really press in to remain in me, to stay closely connected with me. If you want to bear fruit, number two, You've also got to submit to Jesus. Not only do you have to remain in Jesus, but you have to submit to Jesus. If you want to bear fruit, you're going to have to submit to this thing called pruning. Look at verse 2. He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. Now, this is a part that we don't really like. This whole pruning business, we don't really like that idea, right? Uh, because pruning is painful, but pruning is 
vital. It's important. It's essential. You know, I had an opportunity this week to talk to a guy who is a wine expert that lives in Napa Valley. And I was preaching on this passage. A friend of mine connected me and I said, hey, here's the deal. I'm a preacher in Texas. I'm preaching on John 15 about Jesus being the vine and we're the branches. And, and I just wonder if there's any insight you could give me as somebody that for a living, you're working with vineyards and so on, if you could give me some insight. And boy, he just rattled off a lot of great stuff. I don't have time to give you everything he told me. But here are a couple of things that he shared with me that I thought was really good. He said, number one, the vine always wants to grow wild. Every vine wants to grow wild. It's just going to pop out all kinds of branches all over the place. And he said, it will get bushy, but not produce any fruit. So you've got to cut it back. And this is what he said. So that the life of the vine can pour out to the fruit producing branches. You have to cut it back. The second thing he said is that sucker branches are branches that don't produce any fruit. He said, this, these things are anathema. Those are his exact words. They're anathema. He said, they grow up and they try to get taller than the vine and they compete for the energy and the resources that take away from the fruit bearing branches. So he said, you got to cut off those sucker branches because they're literally, they're called sucker because they're sucking the life out of the vine. You got to cut them off. And then when I asked him, I said, well, how, how do you know the, the potential of a vine? Like how much it can produce? How do you know if it's only producing you know, 50% when it could produce more? And he said, well, he said, that's a really good question. He said, the only way that you can really know the, the potential of a, of a certain vine is you have to have a gardener or a, a vineyardist that spends a lot of time with that vine. And he said, he will soon know or she will soon know its full potential. And when he said that, I thought, you know what? Your heavenly father knows your potential. He's the vine dresser. And listen to me, listen, just hear my heart here. God knows the potential your one life can make. He knows it. He knows how much fruit you could bear. And because he knows how much fruit you can bear, he also knows the sucker branches in your life, the things that are sucking your energy and your time and your thoughts, the things that are pre preventing you from really bearing fruit because you're busy going in all these different directions and have all these different interests and all these different hobbies and all these different things that you're doing, but they're not producing spiritual fruit. And so he knows what needs to be pruned out of your life so that you can you can prioritize the things that will really produce eternal fruit. Are you with me? I don't know how else to, to put this. Uh, let me just say this. Let me just talk to the guys in the room because I'm a guy, so it's easy for me to talk to guys, all right? I, I think the two things that really compete for energy and resources with, with men that keep them produ from producing eternal fruit are either their career or their, ho or their habits or their hobbies, their hobbies. Entertainment or their career. They're pouring everything in their career. I got to build my business, build my business, build my business. I got to climb to the top and there's no room for anything. Well, I'll get to that when I get to retirement, right? Or it's, it's, it's their entertainment, right? I got to get to that deer lease. I got to get to the lake house. I got to get to the ball game. I got to go on this trip. I got to, I got to do this or that. And I'm so engrossed in these things that I'm not doing anything that really produces spiritual fruit. And those things are sucker branches that must be pruned back if you will ever produce fruit in your life. 
So let me ask you, what, what needs to be pruned? In fact, the minute I ask that question, the Holy Spirit is bringing it to your mind. Yeah, I need to cut back on that. Yeah, I need to cut back on that. I, 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 every time I say, well, I can't teach that at, at church. I can't be in that group, but I can't do that, and I can't do that. And it's usually because, well, I've got X on that weekend, or I've got Y over here, or I've got this, or I've got that. All those things become sucker branches that suck the life out of you, that compete for your attention, for your energy, and never produce spiritual fruit. And you've got to allow God to cut some of those things back so you can be fruitful. So I've got to remain in Jesus every day. And I've got to submit to even now the Holy Spirit's prompting of what needs to be cut back in your life to be fruitful. And then the last thing, let me just give you this one last one. Is you've got to remain in Jesus, you've got to submit to Jesus. And lastly, you've just got to give your best to Jesus. Give your best to Jesus. If true greatness is measured in your eternal impact, then give your best to what leaves an eternal impact. Bob Buford, after he had this kind of midlife crisis, he, he committed to the back half of his life really doing things that left an eternal impact. He went on to start an organization called Leadership Network that really helps coach and develop pastors and leadership skills so they can maximize their impact in their churches. And he did. This touched thousands of pastors all across the country, helping them to really lead well and produce spiritual fruit and see people come to Christ and disciple and built up. Bob died in 2018, and he was, uh, his funeral was in Dallas. And at his funeral, they read a portion of a letter that he had written when he was in his late 30s, kept sealed until the day of his death. And the letter was written to his family. But this is what part of that letter said. He said, if I die, my wish for you is to mourn, grieve, experience the loss fully, not repressing it, so that you can be done with it. Recall the absolute confidence I have that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And listen. And think how happy I will be face to face with Christ. Think how happy I will be. You see, Bob had some eternal fruit to offer. Listen, every one of us in this room, one day we'll stand face to face with Christ. And I believe there are going to be some of you, they're going to stand face to face with Jesus, and you're going to be overwhelmed with the amount of fruit that has happened in your life. In fact, you're gonna be blown away by it. You're gonna be caught off guard by it because you're like, I didn't really think I did that much, but I just invested in this guy and this person, this person, this person. And, and then they went on to invest in others and they went on to invest in others. And I had no idea, God, I'm just so humbled because of all this fruitfulness that happened. I didn't even know I was doing anything worth value. But God, look at all this fruitfulness because I just was trying to live one life at a time, investing in people. And you're gonna be overwhelmed that you have all this fruit to offer Jesus. Jesus. You will have lived a fruitful life. But I think there are going to be some people, and maybe you, that when you stand before Jesus, you don't have much fruit to offer. Because you were so busy over here and so busy over here and so attracted by all these things, you, you had a lot of interests, but no fruit. Not much to show. 
for what Jesus did in your life. Listen, which one of those do you want to be? Listen, true greatness is not measured in the things of this world. True greatness is measured in your eternal impact, your eternal fruitfulness. So are you living a fruitful life? I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. The only way that you can truly have an eternal impact is to be connected with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine. You gotta be connected to me because only through me flows the favor of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, salvation, change, life. Jesus, earlier in John, he said, I am the bread of life. I'm the one that satisfies you. I'm the living water, the one that, that makes you clean. You know, all these great I am statements. And here he says, I'm the vine. I'm the one that, that gives life to you. Apart from me, you don't have life. In 1 John, we read, he who has a son has life and who does not have the son does not have life. It's that simple. So do you know Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Bible says that Jesus died on a cross for for your sin. He rose again for your redemption. He ascended to the right hand of the Father that the, the offer goes out even today that you can be reconciled with God. You can be right with God. Though you were separated from him, you can be engrafted into the vine again through faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe today you realize the problem with my life is I just am not connected to Jesus. I'm like that fake apple. I look spiritual on the outside, but I'm not really truly born again. There's no real fruit in my life. And my friend, today's the day for you to come to Christ. Why not come to him today? Why not today cry out to him? Why not today put this to rest? and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you and forgive you. Even now, he stands at the door of your heart. Even now, he offers. Even now, he's speaking through me to you. Be reconciled to God. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. With your heads bowed, nobody looking around. If you want to receive Christ, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And that hand raised is just you saying, Lord, I need you. And I'll, I'll see it. And I'll just, I'm not going to call you out, but I'll just pray with you right where you're seated to trust Christ. So if you're here today, God's moving in your heart. You need Jesus. Just lift up your hand right now. Pastor, pray for me. And I will just pray with you right where you're seated. Lift it up high so I can see it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Several, anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I want to be right with the Lord. I need Jesus. All right, thank you. Thank you. Okay, anybody else? All right, thank you. Thank you. I see you. All right, thank you. Anybody else? All right, thank you. I see you right there. This is your day. Anybody else? your hands down. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. 
But I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he rose again from the dead. And so I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Today I turn from my sin and I turn to you, Jesus. Wash me clean. Fill me with your spirit. Use me for your purpose. Thank you for loving me. Now, maybe you're here today and you're a believer, but you're not living a fruitful life. There's a lot of sucker branches that are sucking out your interest. Fact of the matter is, when you do have conversations with people, you very seldom ever talk about spiritual things. You usually talk about other things. You haven't seen God use you spiritually in the life of another person in a long time. And maybe right now the Spirit of God is showing you some things have got to go, got to be cut out, cut back, so that you can really prioritize the things that matter for eternity. Would you just ask God to help you remove those things so that you can really make His purpose for your life your priority? Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness to us. Lord, thank you that we've been engrafted in the vine because of Jesus and his love for us, his grace in our life, Lord. Lord, we really do want to live fruitful lives, lives that matter for eternity. God, we want to stand before you face to face and not have much to show for our life. Lord, we want to have abundant fruit, much fruit. Lord, help us to make that a priority today to be great in your eyes, to have an eternal impact. Lord, lead us this week into those conversations. Help us this week to make that appointment, to spend time with that person, to, to live fully yielded to you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.